for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry Nemroff showing off my fancy new blanket. Ooh. I'm like not one to show off swag on these shows, but in winter in New York, getting a really soft, cozy blanket is special. So this is, I'm Perry, this is my blanket, and that's Haley. Hi. (laughs) This is from, from I'm Your Woman. Oh, very nice. The Brosnahan movie? Yeah. But you know me, I'm a baby. I'm always cold. So this, like, blankets might be my favorite type of swag because I always use them. It's cold here right now, too. This morning it was 40-something, which sounds not so bad here in New York, but it's cold. You know, LA gets pretty cold. I, I feel like I learned that the hard way. Out of all the winters that I've had there, I want to say, like, what is it, four now? Three of the four had winters where start to finish, it was like gray skies. And also you would wake up in the morning and it would be low 40s. Like it was cold. It's chilly. And I don't, it just feels colder certain places and California is one of them. Ireland is one of them. Can be 40 degrees in different areas, but it's freaking so cold when it's California or Ireland or places. One would think I wouldn't complain about the weather in New York right now because I never leave the house, but I also live in a house where my mother keeps the, uh, the thermostat set like way, way, way too low. And I'm always freezing. And there's nothing I can do about it because I have no control here. But now you have your beautiful blanket. I know it's okay. I feel so (laughs) much better now. All right. Guess what, guys? We got a newsy episode for you today. We promised you. It's just me and Haley through the rest of the year. And we're going to deliver on that. We got a whole lot of stories to get to today. You want to just jump into it? Yeah. All right. First up here is the new fx alien series so we we got a lot of big big uh disney news the other day i mean really more more disney news than i can count right now and obviously fx falls under the disney umbrella and this was a pretty pleasant surprise i feel like i knew that disney was going to eventually do something with the alien franchise because big studios can't help themselves profitable franchise but the conversation around Disney has been no R-rated material for so long that it was still hard for like my brain to put two and two together with Disney and FX and what they could do over here. So I'm happy to hear this is finally happening. Yeah. And like there have been stories about this exact project for a long time uh, with Noah Hawley attached. And um, that was obviously confirmed. I don't know. It's really interesting as, as one of the, well, I don't know if it's few, but it's not many who really like Covenant and Prometheus. Uh, I did always want to see the sort of end game that Ridley Scott had in mind for that. Um, and I still won't give up hope because he's Ridley Scott and he makes impossible things happen. But uh, it is not a good sign that this is also like a prequel series. And I don't, I mean, I'm not, it's billed as like the first alien thing set on Earth. And I don't know a huge selling point for me but maybe it's interesting i didn't i didn't see the prequel reports out there a pre a prequel to what exactly the first alien movie i believe or maybe i got that i'm pretty sure it said before or maybe i made that up because it said on earth i don't know so much was happening (laughs) during that but you definitely well i i know for a fact you didn't make the earth thing up no i don't know all three the Earth thing piqued my interest just because it's something we haven't really seen, except for, like, I guess, a- Alien vs. Predator movies. <laughs> Which, well, that was funny when we were like, it's the first alien thing. I was like, oh, not quite, but I'll yeah, let it not Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't, uh, I do like Prometheus. I don't love Prometheus. And when it came to Covenant, I really liked the stuff that felt like alien and aliens. And I wasn't especially into the stuff that connected to Prometheus as much. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I didn't, I didn't, it's not that I didn't care completely. If there was another alien movie that came after it, you know, I would be the first one in line to check it out, but I just wasn't as excited as I had been for previous installments. So I don't know. I'm kind of, happy they're going in a little bit of a different direction but still uh with uh ridley scott on board as a producer 
it makes me think that you're going to get the best of both worlds. Like it'll stay within the confines of his original vision, but you know, Noah Hawley does what he does and it's going to be something probably pretty unique to uh, something anyone else out there could make. I, I think that you, Oh, okay. So it does say that it is set in the near future. So it's prop. It's like, like, our, like our near future. I think so. <laughs> our near future or the near. <laughs> or the near future for yeah. a specific movie. So that's, I think, why I thought it was a prequel, but I guess that is unclear. In any case, I am intrigued. I am like, I like what Noah Hawley does, but I'm not 100% on it. Like, mm. Fargo eventually lost me, and Legion eventually lost yeah. me. But I am curious, and he does always bring a unique perspective, certainly. Yeah, I never watched Fargo, and Legion did lose me as well. But it was less because I, it wasn't really because I wasn't into it. It was more because I was distracted by other things. But that also might speak to how into the show I was that I didn't stick with it. Exactly. And it did, uh, for me, went a little bit too much up its own butt with the weird stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate the weird stuff. I think everybody here knows I love weird stuff. But at a certain point, I'm like, you're just doing that to be weird. <laughs> like, I don't know. That doesn't play as well for me. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I am but- actually, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, now that you're describing what he did with that show, I, I am hoping this steers away from the weird a little bit. A little. I'm always for pushing, for, for pushing boundaries and, and getting into unique territory. But I don't know. I just really miss the the haunted house vibe the haunted house in space vibe but the the original and just like the simplicity of it that that's what that's where i think uh, prometheus and covenant lost me that simplicity was gone and i know you got to keep building if you want to keep making movies but i don't know those those that those complications never quite worked for me i get that i will say since he does always I can't think of any example of it not happening is put together a phenomenal cast. So I can't wait to start see casting information coming. Bring back Amy Simons, even though she's dead in the franchise. Cloner, whatever. Yeah, fine. (laughs) I would buy it. Yeah. All right. You want to move on to our next show? Mm -hmm. This is an interesting one. We're getting a True Blood reboot. Mm. Apparently that's in the works over at HBO. We have the showrunner of Riverdale and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Please pronounce his name for me so I don't butcher it on the first shot. No? Not a possibility. Roberto Aguirre? Sacasa. Sacasa? See, this is one of those names that I've read a million times, but I'm not sure no. I've ever heard it. So I, do, I uh, respectfully don't have the answer. I'm, I'm usually... Uh, I mean, in particular, when I do interviews, you know, I'm I'm almost overly diligent when it comes to uh, searching on YouTube, uh, other videos where it's said out loud or the connect the correct pronunciation. But even when I do that, sometimes then the time will come and I'll get so nervous that I'll just say it wrong. Oh, it happens. I, you know, I've probably said this before, but with my name spelled the way it is, mm-hmm. I am not precious about how people pronounce my name. And I hope that people who similarly have challenging uh <laughs> Amounts of vowels, let's say, are forgiving. Well, now, like it, it's hard for me to think of it because I know the correct pronunciation. But what, what's the other pronunciation everyone does all the time? Holly Pooch. How is it Holly? Is that what they say? Holly Fooch. There's Malay. If people like don't know how super like white European I am, they might think it's like a Hawaiian type name and go with Halay. Fooch. Halei, Halei Fooch. <laughs> just call you. I'm never going to remember this after this conversation, so I couldn't even repeat it if I wanted to. I have friends straight up call me Holly Fooch because they were there for all the years where teachers got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get that. I mean, people can't pronounce Nemeroff, but I don't know. I don't think enough people say it out loud very often. And the only weird thing I get is, is Perry short for something? Oh, like and I get to just make shit. Yeah. Perry, Perry Winkle is usually the one that I embrace the most. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> All right. So we've got the showrunner of Sabrina and Riverdale. And we also have 
the executive producer and co-writer. Hmm. The show is also set to be executive produced and co-written by Jamie O'Brien from Nosferatu. That's what it is. So and Alan Ball is EPing, producing EPing. The way that it was phrased in the Collider.com article is Alan Ball, Ball is also reportedly attached as an executive producer. So, okay. I assume that's a good Who might not know Alan Ball is the original series creator show. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm super intrigued by this. I read those books. They are as goofy and over the top as the show was. I enjoyed both of them immensely. And they are exactly the material that lends itself to the showrunner of Riverdale and Chilling yeah. Adventures of Sabrina. Like, so, so over the top. I, I know, I mean, Sabrina is one of the wildest shows, I think. And the from season to season, it's only gotten more off the wall. It, it's also... I think shows that he has a, a willingness to get really bloody and dark. Yep. I don't, it's, I wonder if they're going to try to do anything different or just straight up redo the books again, because I feel like the first show pretty much did the books. I mean, they didn't do everything. There's a ton of those books, but. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, I, I liked True Blood quite a bit. I liked it. I I loved it at the beginning and liked it at the end. And I, I stuck with it all the way through. But I don't know how much I would want a straight reboot of that. I feel like it would, it would leave me in territory where I'm just busy comparing the entire time. And it doesn't feel like that's something that he would do after seeing how, like, batshit crazy he goes with with uh, Sabrina material. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> There's some stuff that's a little kookier in the books too. Like there's a, a were tiger who's one of her paramours. Uh, that was kind of a sillier character that didn't make the cut. And I could totally see see that showing up in this round because like we said, Sabrina is just a proof that that, that that is a creative mind that will get super weird with it. I want to complain about something Sabrina related very, very briefly. For anyone who's preparing to go watch the new season of Sabrina, do not look at the latest news story. And I hate to say it, but you might not have a chance because I'm pretty sure it is the headline and the social image for that particular article. So there's essentially no avoiding it if you're scrolling through Twitter and it's in your feed. And it makes me so mad. Yeah. You know, I, I, really, I truly don't understand. I All right. The part of it I do get is... You want to get viewers with a flashy concept. That's that's great. But it's not like it's something that is big and has more to offer when you actually watch the show. Mm -hmm. Or at least as far as I know. And why would you want to ruin that beat? I That's the thing. Ruining the beat is like dumb as hell because it's super fun surprise and it's not early in the season. Uh, not to give too much away, but all right. Anyway, let's just say, don't Google Sabrina and don't be on Twitter anyway. Twitter sucks. <laughs> Go, don't spoil yourself. It's so close to being out. And uh, yeah, that was a mistake, I think. A big mistake and a silly thing that will not benefit the viewer experience. I also have qualms. Yeah, I was pissed about that. But yay, true blood. I'm curious to see. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see who they cast in this because... These are these are some meaty fun roles, and if you stick with the roles that we saw with that we saw in the uh, in the original shows run, there's there's a lot of fun fan casting in that. But but then again, I go back to what we were discussing before. Like I don't want to see carbon copies or someone trying to be Anna Paquin's uh, Suki Stackhouse. Like I want to see something completely different. Yeah, um, and I think. No, I know. This is a fact. I didn't make it up. Uh, Roberto had a, a show in the works about Dracula's brides that didn't go. So it seems like he's been wanting to do vampires, which is. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Next up on the list. We're going to trailer territory with this one. The Vigil. Did you watch that trailer? What do you think? I think it looks uh, good. I mean, I think that maybe I'm imprinting on that trailer the amount of good buzz I've heard about the movie. Yeah. Because the trailer itself, it, I've seen a trailer like that before. 
I've seen a trailer like that before, but I haven't seen that concept done before. And that's the thing that, you know, that and the the positive buzz about it combined, that's what intrigues me. And, you know, I do, I do appreciate the fact that that trailer is fairly simple. Like it gives you it gives you the basics of the story and it sticks with that and it doesn't do anything flashy over the top or crazy. And I think that's one of the easiest ways to entice someone to step into a core concept when that core concept is all you need to sell the movie. Right. For mm-hmm. uh, and you probably know more about this maybe than me as a mm-hmm. uh, as a super person. person. <laughs> uh, but it's the concept is basically a man watching over a dead body for the night, right? I, I will say it wrong. How is it pronounced? Shomer? Oh, boy. All right. Let me... <laughs> let me let me look this up to not pronounce things wrong, because this is something I probably could pronounce. All right. But it's, a, it's like based in Orthodox Jewish practice, and uh, I know nothing about that, so I don't want to sound like a total idiot. Here. I got the uh, I got the synopsis here, which is worth reading. Steeped in ancient Jewish lore and demonology, The Vigil is a supernatural horror film set over the course of a single evening in Brooklyn's Hasidic Borough Park neighborhood. Low on funds and having recently left his insular religious community, Yaakov reluctantly accepts an offer from his former rabbi and confidant to take on the responsibility of an overnight. I, I think it's probably pronounced short. Hmm? Shomer, fulfilling the Jewish practice of watching over the body of a deceased community member. Shortly after arriving at the recently departed's dilapidated house to set the vigil, Yaakov begins to realize that something is very, very wrong. The funny thing is, if I saw that word written in Hebrew with the vowels, I could pronounce it correctly. (laughs) Because you loved learning Hebrew so much. I I honestly did. I, I tried. So, so hard. <laughs> it could be Shomar. I'm looking it up right now. Mm. Just because I miss it so much. I try, I tried so hard. No, it's Shomer. Shomer. It, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's Shomer. Okay. I find it funny when I'm, when I'm able to know some, like, no, especially, like, pronunciations after the conversation we just had, that I know it in, in a, uh, in another language better than I do my own. Well, that's how you learned it, right? Well, when the so the weird thing about going to Hebrew school for me, at least as a kid, is they taught you how to read Hebrew, but not necessarily what it meant. Like they would they would tell you the general you would understand the general concept behind certain passages, but it wasn't like a word for word translation. So while I could read Hebrew as a kid, I could not translate what I was reading word for word. And then it wasn't until I went to undergrad and actually studied Hebrew that I started to be able to speak it a little. But then the second that was over, I mean, just like right out my brain. Like I can't even I can't even formulate the most basic sentence anymore. That's probably me with French. And I took four years of it. Yeah. Yeah. French in high school for me was (laughs) utter disaster, (laughs) which is why I had a five semester language requirement in college. Well, the vigil does have an interesting premise uh, of a Shomer. Was that right? Did I forget? Okay. Now now we're not. That I really might not forget Shomer. I I haven't heard that set up for a film before. I think that's a really unique perspective. It does kind of have, you know, uh, autopsy of Jane Doe energy a little bit. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is the trailer didn't necessarily convey to me how unique the setup is I don't think but um I have heard a lot of really good stuff about this movie out of festivals so I'm very excited to see it this one's been making the rounds for quite a while already yeah and it comes out in February right Um, I believe so I have the information right here February 26 2021 oh so for the first night of Hanukkah which which was last night they did an early uh peak an early look at the movie apparently but yeah um it's opening in select theaters on digital platforms and vod on february 26th nice. i will be checking it out mm-hmm. all right next on our list mm-hmm. hocus pocus 2 is officially confirmed i'm so excited about this 
I mean, we kind of knew, like we knew it was being worked on anyway, but just to make it official, the only thing that could have made it more exciting is if we got official confirmation that our original trio would be back. Then I would have been even happier. I would like to know just like, I guess a detail or two at this point, because we have known it's happening for so long. Like one or two details would be so great, but I am excited. I want like, okay, I guess the number one thing I want to hear aside from the trio coming back is I would love for Kenny Ortega to direct again because yeah. he has a special flavor. And uh, as a big, huge Julian, the Phantom Stan, I feel that he has not lost his touch. Um, but I also understand if that's not what's going to happen. Because, yeah. But we're it's, Adam Shank- it's Adam Shankman. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, and I'll accept that. Adam Shankman also has that same kind of vibe. I'm pretty pleased with that. I thought you were going to say uh, you want to hear that Doug Jones is returning. Oh, well, of course, always. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I missed the Shankman news. So, yeah, that would not have been my wish if I knew that was not a wish to be granted. <laughs> uh, I, I do like Shankman, and he has a very, uh, I think, very similar background as well, like coming from musicals and choreography, yeah. and uh, that's fun. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good, I think it's a pretty good pairing here. But, you know, I mean, really, you're right. We've been talking about this for long enough, even just a, like a, a tiny little story detail, just to get a better sense of what we could picture. But I do wonder if that has something to do with them not confirming the original ensemble, because obviously a story would hinge on their involvement or their choice not to be involved, which is possible too but the thing is and i think this was mentioned in the collider article is that they've all expressed interest in returning to those roles so you would think and why wouldn't they didn't they just do a cute little reunion yeah something for Halloween? it seems like they're in they've always been very like positively vocal about the nostalgia with that movie and wanting to keep it going I guess my curiosity is, uh, and it's always the question for these types of things, is how much will it lean into that nostalgia versus trying to recreate it for a new generation? And I think that you have to choose, kind of, because a lot of times when projects are stuck in the middle, they don't quite work as either. I think that Hocus Pocus of all movies actually has a a really good advantage because of the nature of the Sanderson sisters situation and what brings them back. I mean, I know, I know some, some sort of revamp will have to happen in order to, you know, put them back in the zone where the black flame candle gets lit and they come back because of what they do in that movie. But if that's the way to keep bringing them back and it's just about bringing them back into modern day, I feel like them, them basic. So their return in the last movie and them being fish out of water with with that gap, it would be the same thing with this gap, you know? And I think there's a lot to play with there. That is very correct, yeah. Times have definitely changed enough for more fishes out of water. <laughs> I guess, especially if they, they came back for pandemic Halloween, and it's just like, where the fuck is everyone? Where are the children? <laughs> and they're, they're, seriously, like, where are the children and how do they get them? <laughs> That would that would like have very high stakes. That story. Right now, it's a heist movie. You have to get <laughs> the children away from the parents. <laughs> but I don't. Know, I think there's there's a lot to mine there. I've got high hopes for this one. Oh. All right, next trailer. Actually, we got a double dose of trailers here. Can I get the one that I kind of don't care about out of the way first? Oh yeah, it's the Clarice trailer. Yeah, I thought it might what, be. <laughs> what was that? Uh, bare bones marketing i don't know but bare bones marketing should work for a big franchise fan you know yeah like if there's anyone who is easiest to sell like it's that person and the fact that this did nothing for me i mean like literally nothing well there's nothing to it it's just imagery that we already know pretty much uh that's not as pretty as imagery we've seen before well exactly i think that's part of it too is that it just like it looks like a cheap wannabe i'm not saying like it's gonna be but look it's a cbs procedural i'm not expecting hannibal but at the same time nobody was expecting hannibal when hannibal became hannibal 
So I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't have like, <clears throat> I don't really <laughs> put CBS procedurals at the top of my priority or interest list in general, which is maybe a judgy dick thing on my part, but they just aren't usually for me. I didn't get much from it either. Uh, it didn't do much for me, but I'm still gonna, you know, whenever the screeners come out, I'll watch them and hope for the best. So to loop that trailer into this other one we're talking about, I, I love Silence the Lambs. I've watched it more times than I can count. And I haven't watched all of the other properties that came from it, but I've watched a good deal of them. So I have attachment to that material. I only watched half of season one of Servant and the Servant season two trailer made me feel that need to run right back and finish it to prepare for season two. I didn't know that you never finished it. Wow. See, that that wasn't for lack of interest. Yeah. That, that I was super into it. I think I wound up at maybe it was episode five and I got assigned other things and just had to switch gears and completely forgot to go back to it. And, you know, at this point, I'm so far removed from that first watch of half the show that I really have to watch the whole thing through. But I was very, very into it. And now I just said, like, I, f I have that fire to rewatch it. Well. Uh, the interesting thing about that is I won't say much now because yeah. the finale is pretty like game changing in a lot of ways, which the trailer hinted at certainly, but I don't mm -hmm. think it gave everything away for you. That's, um, That's encouraging. I, <laughs> I watched that trailer and was like, well, this is a very different show now um, in a lot of ways. There were things that were very season one, like that shot of the, the, duck heads or whatever mm -hmm. all that chef stuff really got yeah. the first season never forget those eels uh, i do very much remember the eels gnarly <laughs> but uh it certainly seems bigger more mythology driven as opposed to the first season was very contained you know like they never left the apartment really in mm -hmm. the um contained paranoid character drama i'm just curious to see the the gap between those two and how they cross it I'm eager to to do the 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 rewatch and the new watch of season two, like straight through. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that plays. Sounds um, like a lot, though, because that show does not make you feel good. <laughs> no, but I feel like at this point I'm used to it. So whatever, just add another thing to the pile. That one weirdly got under my skin. I think a lot of that goes to Lauren Ambrose's performance, which totally mm -hmm. like upset me a lot because she's yeah. very good at portraying like the madness of grief. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also all the, the dead animals and the Jeffy Cookie stuff was pretty gnarly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just has a really intense vibe that like got sunk in for me. All right. I think I need to I need to rewatch to reconnect with that. But I do remember it making me fairly uneasy at the beginning. I certainly remember being like whatever Rupert Grint is doing. I love it. Oh, no. I do remember that, too. Yeah. I keep thinking about like all the, the Harry Potter cast members just crushing it. Cause I had, I had a very Tom Felton heavy year. Yeah. Cause I did that. Uh, I moderated a Q and a for this movie that he did uh, called breaking for Wales, which is not great. He's good in it and he does something different in it. But the other thing that comes to mind is, did you ever watch a, a babysitter's guide to monster hunting? I did. He was he talked, very he talked about that, right? Yeah. He is the best freaking part of that movie. He's so good in it. You love to see it. And and uh, Daniel Radcliffe was just on Hot Ones and was just as charming as you know him to be. That He's always lovely. I've spoken yeah. to him quite a few times over the years, and you would think, uh, you know, Harry Potter. But he's, he's just like a super nice, thoughtful, down-to-earth guy and always a pleasure to talk to. You can totally tell on the hot ones, and he can handle his spice. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like that earns uh, big points in, in your world. It does, yes. I do love my hot sauce. Uh, and it is especially unique, not to generalize, but the Brits are not known for their tolerance for heat. Okay. Uh, so he stands out in the British guests, certainly. Long over there, then. <laughs> you'd be really disappointed i ordered a i'd ordered a salad with like it was like a, a really light spice dressing and i was dying in the end like i was in an absolute sweat 
I have a very hard time understanding how you taste anything when your mouth is burning uncontrollably. Yeah, I don't know if you just burn some of those taste buds off eventually. I'm not sure. I just remember, I will never forget making you try the least spicy hot sauce I've ever tried in my life and being like, you can totally handle this. And you could not totally handle it. No. I will never, ever make you eat anything spicy again. Here's an, here's another one. And this isn't even like spice in that sense. The other night I, I door dashed in a poke bowl and I, I never want, you know, wasabi or ginger on it. And there was wasabi peas in it. And the pea, but like, what's that? Like, you can't just take out the peas. It's like the wasabiness gets all over everything and I'm eating it. And I'm like, like, I can't handle it. Wasabi is a different kind of intense, though. Mm -hmm. That goes straight to the nose. Yeah. Which is also something you would think I would like, because I'm a highly allergic person, but that's not (laughs) the way I want to be able to breathe. (laughs) All right. Next up. Oh, yeah. Neil Blomkamp. He's back. He's back making movies. Yeah. Unless he hadn't directed a feature since since Chappie. Well, he was working on uh, Mm -hmm. Alien, right? Well, he was trying to work on Alien. Well, he was working just because it didn't happen. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Because he did he did release some really cool concept art. Yeah. So he was doing he was doing work, and apparently it looked like good work too. Good. But it never came to fruition. He also did um you know those shorts, and apparently he's been doing ads as well. So he has been working. But I about is, those shorts. Those were really cool. Those shorts were really cool. But it's time for another feature. Yeah. Apparently, he is currently set to. Oh, this is another thing. He's currently set to direct the uh, the sci-fi thriller Inferno, starring Taylor Kitsch. That project had to be pushed back though due to the pandemic. So now he's decided to direct an untitled supernatural horror film. Um, It is reportedly something he always wanted to make, and he expects to be finished with it by the spring. The cast is mostly made up of Canadian actors, and there is said to be a strong sci-fi and VFX component. Surprise, surprise. I never would have guessed that of him. I like it. I I, I like unknown cast. I like unknown story. I am curious. I, I didn't have time, but I kind of wanted to try to go through his own old interviews and see a project he's been talking about for years to see if oh. I can figure it out. Um, but mm-hmm. I just... I, you know, District 9 was so special and it came out of nowhere. And my hope is that if he does something out of nowhere again, it could hopefully get back to that level. Because I actually, I don't hate Chappie. Um, I love not, Chappie. Not a huge fan of Elysium, but I, I forgot. Yeah. Um, and and I, I like what he's got. I just don't know that it works super well in the studio setting yet. Okay. So I'm hoping this will get him back on track. I feel like a lot of people are way harder on Chappie than they are Elysium, and it should be the other way around. Oh, hard agree. Well, okay, Chappie is objectively more annoying. I get that. It is, like, there's a lot about that movie that's super annoying just on a surface level. It's loud. The characters are obnoxious. Deant worked in it. Uh, I still fucks with it. I, th- I find it fun. And I don't mind the annoying robot. I like the annoying robot. It was my number 10 movie of 2015. Incredible. I still enjoy watching it. Christy, for uh, the holidays one year, gave me her chappy coffee table book. And I still have it. And it sits out. And I just, I love it. I feel like Chappie as a character was made for me. No. I, I like it. It's a sweet movie. I don't know why people are so mean to it, except that I do see that it's quite annoying on the surface. <laughs> but I do like the heart in it. I get it. I feel like it works for me because the annoyingness and bigness of it was clearly what he set out to do. Like, he did all of that with such purpose, which is why I think it wound up working for me. I get that. I, I do like, though, like, neither Chappie or Elysium really had horror elements, and I think the sort of secret sauce to District 9 is that it's mm-hmm. also body horror and very effective yeah. body horror, it so I, I'm super stoked to see that he's fusing that back into a sci-fi. Yeah. Curious to see what the story for this one winds up being. I'm gonna go, after, after we're done recording, I'm totally gonna go back to my Chappie interview with him and try to find the answer. I'm so annoyed that I didn't have time to do that. It's 
been a really busy week. Only so many hours in the day. Yeah. All right, we got one more. Let's do one it. more news story, at least. Yes. Radio silence. This might be the one that I'm most excited for of everything on this list. So, radio silence. They are the group that made Ready or Not. They're also the group behind the new Scream movie. And they have another movie set up. So, they're going to make a high school reunion movie. And it's about a group of jaded old friends who re-team up for that dreaded high school reunion when they're suddenly thrust into the task of saving the world when a shape-shifting creature... It's a, I don't know, I copied and pasted this from the Collider article, and it says, when a, when a shape-shifting creature agrees... Hmm. I believe there's a typo. <laughs> I, I mean, I also could have like half copied and pasted this and like attached it to another sentence. So I'm going to double check this, but one way or the other, like I, I agree with this concept. I think this is genius. Also, the writer of that article is spot on and compared this to, I think, I think it was Greg and I think he called, yeah, the, uh, the world's end meets the faculty. And I mean, really with both moves, I was going to say anything compared to the faculty will work for me, but I quite liked the world's end also. So if that is the combo that this movie winds up being, I couldn't be happier about it and it that idea and that kind of tone really suits radio silence's skill sets as we've seen thus far Mm -hmm. and i there's just like high school reunions are one of those sort of universal sources of anxiety so there's already so much built in there to play with in you know not in terms of horror but in terms of putting your audience on edge and nervous Mm -hmm. like that's such a relatable feeling I didn't go to mine but just thinking about it (laughs) I went I went to mine but mine wasn't and this is this might be because um I went to a really small high school mine wasn't the traditional you know high school reunion you would see in a movie where there's streamers in the school gym and shit like that we had ours at a New York City bar oh that sounds fun I had a great time I'm and I really had not seen the majority of my uh my my peers from high school in in like 10 years and it was really nice see my thing is like I went to a massive high school and I checked with all my friends that I do still talk to a lot like like I've kept in touch with a surprising amount of people from high school I'm still pretty tight with a lot of them and we've seen each other over the years and nobody I cared about was going so that was a hard no for me I don't even remember, and I'm surprised because I I don't like going to things without having someone to go to it with. But I don't re- I don't really remember doing that. And I think again because of the small school setting, like the second you walked into that room, it was like old habits and connections came right back, and it felt like I had seen them just yesterday. That's Which wonderful. Was, it was kind of nice. That's how I feel. When I'm with my friends from high school, but it's like I said, I went to a massive high school. We had like 2,500 students or oh something. Wait, how yeah. many were you in your graduating class? That I don't remember, but it was a really long ceremony. I can tell you that with a, a, a football bleachers full of people there. and um, It was not uh, intimate or special in any way. It was literally okay. like, Haley Fouch, run, take your thing and run. <laughs> We, we were a class of 150. So every, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Every, like literally everyone knows everyone in a class of that size. And for, I, I don't think we had a valedictorian. We must have had a top of class person. But anyway, the person who gave a speech at the high school graduation, you, they had a speech competition and everybody wrote their speech and then speeches were chosen. And then the last few had to be given out loud in front of like a committee or something. And then a winner was chosen. It was like that kind of bullshit. But I made it to that last round and my entire speech was top to bottom saying something about every single person in the class. It was one of the coolest things I've ever written. That's cool. It was like it it sounds like it wouldn't flow at all, but something like I can't remember specifically what it was, but something about it worked really well. And it's one of the most memorable things I think I've written. 
really nice too that you like knew everybody enough yeah. to say something about them. We had like because I went to a performing arts school within my large high school, and that was much closer knit. Um, and we had like a separate senior graduation night for that. And that was more intimate on the level that you're expressing. We all kind of went up and said things about each other and had a good cry. But the actual high school graduation was like, take it and run, you little fucker. Get out of here. You're done. Make room for the next 500 students. You know what else this this news made me think about? Hmm. A high school reunion wouldn't be a bad setting for the opening disaster of Final Destination. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. When I first started reading the story before I got to the actual synopsis part, I'm like, are they secretly making Final Destination now? But oh, then I saw it was MGM and I knew it like that can't happen. No, but that's good, too. And it plays into kind of what I was saying earlier. You have built in relationships there that is sort of like you have built in anxiety. Yeah. There's already so much repressed drama between people who went to high school together that you can easily uh, exploit that in any kind of horror movie, but especially in a Final Destination, which are so melodramatic in the most wonderful way. God, I really want another Final Destination movie ASAP. It'll happen. I know. I know it'll happen. It's just not happening fast enough. <laughs> Nothing's happening fast this year, Barry. Yeah, yeah that is that is too accurate. All right. We got one more thing to share with you fine folks. Mm-hmm up the imdb page because we got a little review for you right now a recommendation before we go a little something that uh that just hit shutter so you could watch it right now if you have shutter if you don't have shutter and you're wondering if you should get shutter i really couldn't recommend it enough i'm Hands not down one of the best subscriptions i have I'm so annoyed they don't sponsor us at this point because we just sing their praises so much that uh it seems like we're getting paid but we're not why would they sponsor it when we can't help ourselves? <laughs> Buy the cow or whatever, however that really sexist phrase goes. I'm going to tell the world something that's going to make my mom really upset because I'm putting her on the spot. The other night, I decided to put on host mm-hmm. and she didn't like it. And I, I took it personally. <laughs> but to be fair... I think she didn't like it because she was nodding off during it. She claims she wasn't. But I saw. Yeah. I saw. And then she she woke up. I'm trying to remember the question she had asked me. <laughs> I, I think it might have been something along the lines of, what, like, what was the point? And, like, why did this happen? And it was something that is very specifically explained why that happened. I'm like, you you really did sleep through my We yeah. can do this again. I hope she actually, I hope she watches this. That way she feels more forced to a second viewing because you busted Mama Nam's public. I'm mad. All right. Anything but Jackson. Yes. Poor Jackson. Why do I keep saying anything but Jackson? Anyway, um, it is about a couple who kidnap a woman who's pregnant and they want to use her as, I guess, a vessel of sorts to bring back their dead grandson. Yeah, it's all accurate, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the general premise, and and I think it's like important to explain that they're a really lovely, charming yes. elderly couple in every other way. They are not Satanists. They are not <laughs> practitioners of the dark arts. They just really want their grandson back. Yeah, I mean, they kind of are because they go to that group, right? But I think that I think that's only to serve this particular yeah. agenda. It's not like they have other sinister ideas in mind. But I think that's part of the charm of the film is that they are just such a sweet old couple who happens to be doing this really awful thing as sweet yeah. as they possibly can. And uh, that couple is played by Sheila McCarthy and Julian Richings, and they are both excellent. I oh. mean, pitch perfect casting right there. Mm-hmm. Sheila, Sheila McCarthy needs more credit, too, because I remember being really taken by her in the first season of uh, Umbrella Academy most recently. Mm-hmm. And... I, I don't know. She just doesn't feel like a well-known enough name given what she has brought to this industry thus far. I would say the same for Julian Richings. I would say like most people would be like, oh, he's on Supernatural when they see his face, but he's everything. They're just both really incredible actors that are in like everything you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah they're incredible here too. Yeah, they are wonderful here. I think the movie hinges on them as much as it hinges on the pregnant woman. It, it 
does not work if they are not as endearing as they mm-hmm. are. Um, the pregnant woman, Shannon, is played by Constantina Mantelos. I hope I pronounced her last name right, but she she's also excellent. Really good. And, and this is this is a movie too where it really requires the supporting roles to be perfectly cast as well. There's there's one character in particular that just pops up for next to nothing, but has to make a big bold impression so something later on pays off, and it does. So great casting. I mean, from top to bottom in this movie. I really dug this one. I saw this a little while back at one of the online film festivals, either Fantasia or Nightstream, and just very charmed by it. It's, you know, it plays into a lot of the tropes of possession or haunted house or, or, you know, demonic films, but does it in a way I've never quite seen before. There are implementations of like the haunting trope that I think are so cleverly executed. They made me jump. They made me squeamish. Um, I, I really like this one. I just, um, it's one where even though I kind of knew what was going to happen, I never knew how it was going to happen. And I very much appreciate that in a film. Yeah. I, I would say the trajectory of the the main story and their goals makes it very clear, but I think it's it's done with purpose. Like I, I feel like when when that main line through line is very very clear, those those little littler uh, surprising elements that happen around it just I don't know. It takes what could have been a very familiar concept and it makes it something completely different. Does that make yeah. any sense? It does make sense. And I think we're both trying not to talk about some very specific stuff that works so yeah. well. Yeah. I do know what you mean. And I I, th- I hope that our listeners or viewers will agree if they go check it out. Because I think that I read the synopsis and thought I had a read on the movie. And then was very delightfully surprised when I watched it. And And again, a lot of that comes down to the performances, which are not what you're expecting from the character descriptions really yeah. at the turn. Um, and you care about everyone, even mm-hmm. though they're holding this pregnant woman hostage to take over her baby's body. We're like super worried about them. It is also a, a very well shot film, too. And there's there's certain eerie imagery that's done with its own unique style that I think makes this stand out from other, you know, uh, satanic or. Uh, Exorcism is the wrong word. Ritual, yeah, ritualistic. I, I don't know, something like that. But but certain visuals that you're used to seeing, this one does it with its own flavor, and I think that works really well. And it works really well in this unique house setting that they have, which has geography that's very well established, and they play into that really well too, which is a very smart move here. And I I'm not saying that it is like The Conjuring, but but in a similar way to The Conjuring, I think it starts out as one type of horror movie and evolves into uh, combining a few different genres. And that's what makes it feel different and, and has a perspective of its own. Again, I'm trying not to be spoilery, but it, it does start out, let's say, very much in the cult ritual Satanist type film. And then it becomes more and more interesting and more surprising in ways that opens up that use of geography, those surprising scares, things like that, that you wouldn't necessarily expect going into this satanic ritual film. I was looking for a fun fact that I had been sent about the house. Apparently the house belongs to the film's writer, Keith Cooper. Mm, nice was written with that house in mind from the start. That Makes is, uh, that is a, a very, very smart move right there. And it pays really off. Really the space. Um, I give like kind of a funny, <laughs> it's just an anecdote about this one, but uh, I just found out one of my dear friends is pregnant and she was talking to me about like possible names and names they want to avoid. And well, she was like, everybody's naming their kids Jackson these days. It's everywhere. Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. And then our conversation went on for like another two hours and she asked me for movies to recommend. I was like, oh, there's this really one called, really cool one called Anything for Jackson. And she was like, Jacksons are everywhere. (laughs) Maybe it's a sign. Yeah. I can't tell if it's a sign she should name her kid Jackson or she shouldn't. She does not want to name everyone else has. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Haley spelled that way. Perry, I feel like we both (laughs) fall in that same. Steer away from the, uh, from the obvious choice in the name department. Yeah. 
But if, um, you know, in terms of the film, anything for Jackson, I almost said anything but Jackson. Thanks for that. I started um, it. I saw we, when I, we post this episode on the website, it will have an exclusive clip from the film attached to it. So if you want to take a little sneaky peeky and see if it does anything for you, you can look at that. Very cool. I hope uh, between the two, it does convince everyone to go watch it. Yeah, it was cool. It surprised me. I like it. And um, I, I like that we're still, we're like how many days to the end of the year and bomb ass horror movies are still showing up. Yeah. I can't think of anything else that I haven't seen that's on the horizon. Well, but even like just last week, Freaky finally hit me. Uh, yeah. And now we have Oh, yeah. I feel, I feel like my, like my brain is a little off in the release, uh, in the release schedule uh, department because like, it's always a situation where, I mean, you know, I have to do the junkets all the time. And it's always a situation where the junket is happening with a theatrical release that nobody cares about. And then so many weeks later, it finally goes to VOD. Oh, my gosh. I mean, when we finally can talk about Sabrina, like, you'll have seen that so long ago. I know. I And for that junket, I was only given the first half of the season. And I feel like I'm so, it's like a similar thing with Servant, even though it's not as long as that. But I feel so far removed from that material that I might have to rewatch the first five episodes again. You should. All right. I probably will. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you on the Netflix show I just watched three times because that felt necessary. Hmm? What'd you watch three times? I'm not telling you. I'll tell you when we stop the broadcast, though. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll tell you soon enough. All right. That's it. That's all we got for you guys today. Thanks for hanging. We, got, we have um, not very many Fridays this year. Like, I think we're, we might be one episode away from our top 10, you know? I was thinking that as well. I think there's only two Fridays left. I'm very intimidated by this now. Mm-hmm. I've been scrambling to just, you know, put together a rough draft of my lists, and that ain't going smoothly. Oh, no. Well, okay. So if we wanted to, we could be sneaky because uh, we have Friday the 18th, Friday the 25th, and then Friday the 1st. We could do it on the 1st if we wanted to. Okay. So we should probably have this conversation off air. I'm just saying... <laughs> in a bonus episode if we want to um but yeah that's going to be really hard and you know me i'm going to cheat and have ties because of course you will too many good ones this year but you know what your list is your list and you make your own rules and i respect that you're damn right <laughs> all right guys that's all we got for you today Haley. where can everyone find your work on the internets you can find me on instagram at haystack mcgroovy and you can find me on twitter at Haley fouch and I am at P. Nemiroff on Twitter and Instagram where you could see my blanket again. <laughs> That's it. All right, we're out of here. You guys have officially survived the witching hour. Bye.